A decade after it first came out, the National Institute of Standards and Technology's cybersecurity framework is due for a major upgrade. NIST is making significant changes to this foundational cyber document, and federal cyber leaders are watching closely. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday joins me with the latest. And Justin, give us an update to get us up to speed on NIST's plans for this framework. Yeah, NIST first released the cybersecurity framework, the CSF as they call it, in 2014. And it forms the basis of many organizations' cybersecurity programs, federal agencies included. It's actually how agencies are graded every year by their agencies' inspector generals on cybersecurity. It includes those five very recognizable functions identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. And so it was last updated after the 2014 release. It was last updated in 2018, and now NIST is moving to CSF 2.0. It just released a concept paper laying out the changes, and it's going to spend the next year really bringing those to fruition. One of the major things they're doing is adding a six function, uh, a governance function, to to help really align these high-level cyber activities to requirements and risk management. Sherilyn Pascoe is the CSF program lead at NIST, and she talked about adding that sixth governance function. This is um, not a decision that we're making lightly. The five functions within the framework have really become the definition for cybersecurity. They are included in policies and requirements and standards around the world. But, you know, we do believe that elevating governance to a function is the right thing and the right time to do it. All right. And that's Sherilyn Pascoe, the CFS program lead at NIST. And Justin, what are, I mean, don't agencies already have governance for cyber? Doesn't the current document kind of imply the best way to do governance? Well, the current document has a few references to governance, but it doesn't explicitly really lay out how you do that. And so agencies and other organizations have relied on things like the risk management framework to kind of carry cyber into the risk management world and governance world and and, and other ways of doing that. Uh, One example, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency established new cyber performance goals for critical infrastructure last year. And CISA worked with NIST to develop those CPGs, as they're called, to really complement the cybersecurity framework. CISA Director Jen Easterly spoke at this NIST workshop where they talked about the framework changes, and she talked about setting baseline cyber goals for the nation's critical infrastructure. Our nation's cybersecurity posture can't improve without baseline goals consistent across all sectors. That's why it's critical for every organization across the country to develop an enterprise cybersecurity program built around NIST cybersecurity framework. Now, we're looking forward to working closely with NIST to ensure that all organizations clearly understand how to use the CPGs in conjunction with the framework to both prioritize near-term security investments while developing an enduring cybersecurity program. Well, I always find Jen Easterly more convincing when there's background music, so good for CISA for providing that in her talk there. And what else are they looking at, at NIST, that is, to change their cybersecurity framework? One of the other big changes beyond governance is adding in uh, more references to cyber supply chain risk management. It's become a big issue for all organizations, agencies included, with third-party risks that they're introducing in their environments, the leakage of data and software concerns. That change also caught the attention of Federal Chief Information Security Officer Chris DeRussia. 
He's at the White House Office of Management and Budget, and that shop has been churning out a lot of guidance on software supply chain risks and other cybersecurity requirements. Here's what he had to say about the new NIST framework. This is ultimately going to advance our understanding of how we best measure our progress, frankly. And doing that through the common taxonomies and lexicons is important so we can communicate on common terms and benchmark progress. That's something that's very important to me in the job that I've got. And also determining how well an entity is managing its risk. And that, to be frank, is something that I think we all need to constantly take a really hard look at. We can measure progress and implementation of programs and initiatives and efforts over time, but the question of Are we getting outcomes from that? Are we buying down real risk is something that we've always got to constantly be asking. And again, federal CISO, Chief Information Security Officer Chris DeRussia. But Justin, cybersecurity itself has changed in the last 10 years, the last five years since they went about this update. And we have things like zero trust coming onto the scene. There's also lots of agencies talking about 5G and the Internet of Things. Do all of those new technologies, approaches, frameworks get baked into the NIST update? Yeah, there's going to be a concerted effort here to connect the updated cybersecurity framework 2.0 to other documents and standards that have come out. Uh, NIST got some initial responses from organizations, and they referenced almost 50 cybersecurity standards, guidelines, and other frameworks that have been authored that could be layered into CSF 2.0. And as you mentioned, a lot of organizations want to move to some sort of zero trust framework. Um, So that has to be connected here really to what folks are doing in the cybersecurity world. Krista Russia um, talked about that as well in his address. There are obviously big differences across platforms like uh, IT, IoT, operational technology, cloud computing. And I think there's a recognition that uh, in everything we do, there are differences in, in getting clarity of, of purpose there and spring communities of interest together on, on how do you best do that. Well, the life of a cyber professional is never static, that's for sure. Any other changes we need to know about in that framework? And can people still comment, by the way, since NIST tends to open their changes to as wide a comment as they can get? Yeah, they're still accepting feedback, and NIST is actually hosting some in-person uh, events around the CSF 2.0 next week. So uh, stay tuned for, for that. Uh, One of the other big changes they're making or looking to make is somehow expanding guidance on how you implement this framework. And there were more than 500 comments that said, that told NIST, they, that people want more guidance on how you take these really high level goals and apply them in the real world. Uh, There's tension there though, because NIST wants to keep this as a broad document, they don't want to get too specific. They want to stay technology neutral and vendor neutral. So Sherilyn Pasco, who we heard from earlier, uh, that was one of the things she mentioned is there's some tension there between wanting to get specific and help organizations while still maintaining this really broad foundational cyber document. Yeah, that's a problem in a lot of technologies where a few companies become dominant, such as in networking. You need to know the basics of networking, but you need to know those vendors' products as a practical matter if you're going to operate in networking, and I guess that's true in cyber. All right, Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks so much. You got it, Tom. Check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. 
Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics, I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit. You know, they they basically were in direct care. And and I will say, and on a, obviously we'll say about my my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are are really um, you know we we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're they're really heroes, and um, so I was I was drawn when I I and I just saw that you know Special Olympics was looking for someone, and I thought well you know I'll take a look at it and see, see you know throw send in my information, and lo and behold I I, I get hired, and um, I learn. Uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused uh has a has a good story like it can just turn a day around for you and 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 you think of i i you know so often when you'll walk away i'll be like you know whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know stressing me out and come on you know like look at look at terrell like he he, he faces everything with optimism and 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 i've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the united states and globally you see people who have had everything stacked against them you know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of wash, wash your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a the athletes of Special Olympics that uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give. 
uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do. But but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I. I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That, that, you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful. And, and uh, I mean, we work hard and, you know, we we're up against, you know, the things that nonprofits are up against and, you know, the, you know, the issues of the day, but uh, man, you see it, it and, and, and the inclusion and the at special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Everyone yeah. is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, uh, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not just school age. It's it's, uh, you know, we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out at, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website. Uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. And we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.